Hello and welcome to the podcast for Real Life Heroines with Susanna Liller. Join us bi-weekly as alongside of you, we work toward answering the call, knowing that stepping into our destiny always involves going into the unknown and exploring new landscapes. This show talks about those new landscapes, what it took to get there, and the real challenges that take place for most of us along the journey. Heroines don't stay in their comfort zone. They follow their inner guidance to grow and evolve. From the School for Real Life Heroines, your host, Susanna Liller. Hello, everyone. Welcome to my podcast for Real Life Heroines, where I get to talk to heroines about their one of their, because we go on many heroines journeys and learn from them and learn from their journey. And hopefully you will learn from them too. And it's usually about accepting a call and the call can usually take them to a greater, higher place than they could have imagined when they were still back before they accepted the call. And I think Gail, that this is something that applies to you, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Let me introduce Gail Coleman. And Gail and I, I will tell you, we met in what is now known as the before times, before the pandemic. We were at a conference together um, outside of Santa Fe with our teacher, Gail Larson, who is the person who has written the book Transformational Coaching and Transformational Speaking and teaches that course. And her motto is, if you want to change the world, tell a better story. And I know she's certainly taught that to you, Gail. Let me just share a bit from your bio, if I might, before we get started. Yes. Gail, who we have here today, and this is going to be so helpful to you people listening, because it's all about money. And you know about money and how we all could use help with thinking or feeling or intuiting about money. You'll hear more about that in a bit. So Gail is one of the country's leading experts in personal financial freedom. And she's the author of The Body of Money, a self-help guide to creating sustainable wealth through innate intelligence. And we'll be talking, of course, about her book, she is a coach, a writer, entrepreneur, and financial planner with more than 35 years of professional experience, Topping, tapping into decades of training and practice, developing the field of somatic finance, which is her term, somatic finance. She'll tell us about that. Gail's unique meditative and embodiment practices demystify our money woes. Tend to wounds created by generational trauma and put financial agency squarely back in our own hands, creating clarity and confidence around our choices rather than overwhelm. I'm wondering if anybody listening doesn't need help with any of that. My mother, I was always told, Susanna, money does not grow on trees whenever I wanted something. Um Along with her certification as a certified financial planner and master integral coach, 
Gail is a big leap coach through the Hendricks Institute and a certified teacher in the Gateless Methodology. She's a co-founder of the Coleman Knight Advisory Group, LLC, which is a holistic and integral wealth advisory firm based in Massachusetts. So we'll be providing in the show notes and at the end um, how you can reach Gail, because I know you're going to want to, because this is she's going to talk about money in a way maybe you haven't heard um, us talk about money before. Wouldn't you say that, Gail? I, I would agree that um, we have a lot of concepts about money that um, we have lived in our own life, have inherited from our parents, the culture, and uh, it's it's really time that we nurture a different kind of relationship with it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for agreeing to be on the show and be my guest. And what I'd like to do is just start with I think what you said to me is there's two heroines journeys you might want to talk about. So why don't we start with the first one? And would that be about maybe getting the aha about a different way to look at money? My first heroine's journey, and I and honestly, I just realized it um, when we're thinking about a heroine's journey, it was in college. Oh. And it was in Dr. O'Toole's uh, risk management class. And I was studying and or reviewing these insurance policies, a homeowner's policy, a um, automobile umbrella policy. And, and I had this, you know, light bulb, a hog moment of, this is really important. Hmm. Wow, everyone needs to do this. And then hmm. it was, what are my friends who are getting liberal arts degrees going to do when they get out of school, how do they make decisions? It would be me, Gail. That would be me, liberal arts, English major. Okay. And so I said, well, I want to help people make wise financial decisions. That's what this is. And you know, long, longer story short, I, I found out for a, that I wanted to be a financial planner. Hmm. And, and so I began to interview. I was from, from the West Coast of Florida, the Tampa Bay area. And I interviewed in uh, banks, you know, those are the financial institutions. And honestly, I'm, I'll, I hope that I'm not too offensive here, but I, I sat in front of chubby, balding white men saying, I want to help people make wise financial decisions. And I was so excited and on it. And they would look at me like, what the hell is this woman saying? Or not woman, little girl, I, you know. And, and so clearly was not what they wanted for a, a high, new hire. And um, then ended up realizing I needed to get to a financial center. And that was when I packed my car, not knowing a soul and drove to Boston. So that was my heroine's journey to get into the field and the work of financial planning and, and that even had its, its um, I'll say, hopscotching of heroine's journey of being in the corporate world, realizing that that was not working well for people, and then starting my own business in 1988, Coleman Knight Advisory Group, and 
really doing great financial planning, the practical side, but also realizing that there's something more we can do better. And then that uh, was when the psychology of money was born in, in the mid nineties, behavioral finance, and really continuing to follow the thread of what is this human journey with money? And, um, excuse yeah. me. So is there one thing, because sometimes a call comes to you while you're kind of doing your thing, which would have been working in your group that you had started, and it can be very quiet or it can kind of bob you on the head where you get, ah, I need to be doing this. And it, and it sounds like your second call was more like that. Yes. Well, uh, my second my second call related to somatic finance okay much later but the the one that had me you know going still questioning we can we need to do, we need to do better there was a there was a thread of we can do better we can do better and and we were working with a, a beautiful client he was he was uh, transitioning his business to his daughter and we were signing all of the documents and it was it was this beautiful celebratory moment and i innocently asked are you happy like yay and this this you know big burly man who was just such a um you know i would say hey you would you would you would expect him to you know just be cheering and rah rah and and he began to sob. Oh. And and my partner who was there looked at me like, what the hell have you done? <laughs> um, his wife was there and, and, and it was a very tender, beautiful moment. And, and the space was, we held it, was very open and he was, was crying. And, and it was, it was this time where I said, and I thought, this is such, this is a pivotal moment. This is such an important moment. Here's this man who is, I could see his identity was, it's not hard to see that this was his life blood. This is his, and it was now basically being released into the, you know, the river for his daughter to continue. And, and we closed the meeting. I don't know exactly how, I mean, it was, but I remember his, wife coming up to me and saying you've missed your calling and i and i said that may be in in one view but in another view i said this is exactly where i need to be oh. and and that was that opening too of of um we're doing much more here and we need to really pay attention it's when you think about it, Gail, when you think, well, when I think about all the people I've ever met who have worked with in the financial field and that whole topic, it's everyone's pretty buttoned up. Nobody's so much talking about being happy. It's all the facts, the figures. Where do you want to be in 10 years when you retire? And so what a thing to have that kind of emotion set in front of you, somebody being that vulnerable, you must have, you must have 
had a way to talk to your clients, but you still wanted to do better. I Yes, I did. Because there are these very, very tender, open, very connecting, juicy conversations that can can move us to and through into, I want to say, I hate the word best selves, but it's just it, in, in a really healthy, loving way. Because when each of us own our money journey, our heroine's journey, everyone benefits. And so if, if we can support people really becoming confident in their own capacity to recognize their wealthy life, what are the decisions that are gonna support them then they're going to be able to show others, be with others in that kind of field of confidence around money that makes it uh, fluid. Um, and I'm I'm thinking about your comment where you said, you know, the normal questions, what do you want to be retire in 10 years? These questions are dead questions. Hmm. They they're they're not helpful and i've never said that before but i'm i'm saying it now it's what everybody asks it's the topic of conversation when you get to a certain i would think for somebody in the financial business um my husband and i to convince him that it was okay to retire we had to go and talk to somebody so he could see yeah there'll be enough money so and I know we need to break into your book and your topic, which is a very different approach. And, and maybe this is the question. So say why that's a dead question, if you would, please. So, yeah. Um, well, actually, in the book, I was thinking that my most hated words and retirement is one of them. Uh, and I've never used the word really retirement and in, in, unless it was helpful to a client um, or, or the person I'm speaking to, but retire is this, you know, to withdraw and, and escape. And it's, it's this fictitious time somewhere in the future. So we're automatically future fearing, future, futurizing to something that is not even here. So what I preference and what I invite you and your listeners is is what is, let's live our life right now and it doesn't mean that we're ignoring sound financial practices to prepare us for our future but it means that we need to be living now our our whole life um with as much um presence and intention, um, you know, creativity, whatever it is that brings, that has matters most to us, relationships, our good work, in order for us to even be able to know or, or have a direct experience of what, what is possible for retirement. Otherwise, we're just imagining something. So it's, it's, we, 
we imagine we in our in our work we we go through scenario planning um, and we ask different scenarios to be able to get to what matters most you know but once we identify what it is that really makes our life worth living we want to have that happen as soon as possible because we don't know how long we're going to be here so i feel like i need to i i so i've read your book so i know where you're coming from and i agree with you um and i have my husband <laughs> my husband's voice in my head yeah but what about i need to know here it is it's 42 years i've worked here i need to know you know, what, am I going to have enough? Are we going to be okay? Or should I keep working for another 10 years? So I know what you're going to say. Maybe the, the best thing now is just for you to describe your approach to that, which involves so much more than just the brain and spreadsheets and figure out it also involves your intuition. Why? And I think this is when maybe I ask you to define your words, somatic, somatic finance. Is that a good entry into the topic? Yeah, yes. And I really would love to answer your question about what happens when when your your spouse's response comes through. Uh, but somatic finance is bringing the wisdom of our body into all matters of money. So it's not, you know, uh, eliminating our, our rational strategic mind, which is very smart and is important, but it's welcoming the, you know, the, the niggles and the intuition and the gut sense that we have when we are dealing with our, our money management, money decisions, because, our our body ha holds uh, innate wisdom, the the wisdom that is unique to each of us, that tells us you know something's going on. Typically, fear. So the undercurrent of money is fear. Oh, true. That is yes. And so, your husband. I'll call. What's your husband's name? Robin. <laughs> Robin. Okay. So he's like it that I talked about it, but it's okay. Okay. Well, I I'll also Jack. Here, whatever, you know, okay. uh, he um a part of him is scared. Obviously, he wants to know that he's going to be okay. That's that's really what fear in, in the money sense is all about. Am I gonna be okay? Am I gonna be safe? And so we want to answer that part of him. And we do that with all of the metrics and the measurements and the spreadsheets and the numbers. And we say, this is what it's going to be. And we have this kind of interest rate and you'll have rates of return and inflation will be this and 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 you'll spend this much and and there'll still be a chunk of money left over. So you can feel comfortable in this moment, I'm gonna be okay. But what happens is, is that our brain might see that, but there's something in our body that still feels scared. And so that's really where we want to pay attention because for a second, 
the facts will say I'm going to be okay, but something else is lingering. And so it's really not about the the future. It's about an, something that we imagine bad will be happening, that we won't have enough. And so if we're able to attend to that fear, which is typically a sensation in our body that we can attend to with breath, movement, lots of different practices, which taps into our, obviously our nervous system, then we can calm ourselves. We, we attend to that feeling, sensation of fear, and then something shifts. We are not so gripped on that, that fear where we can actually open up to what's happening now. I'm okay now. That is what's, this is the only place we can be and live mm -hmm. and experience our life. And so we, we cultivate more and more of these experiences of I'm okay. And that, that be, helps us to inhabit our body, helps us to become more grounded, more familiar with our, our true presence. And believe it or not, that shifts us over time so that we are not so scared about the future. We have enough repeated practice experiences that allow us to say, wow, I, I am okay. And this is, this is what really matters now. I think you also use the term sufficiency that mm. you require, I'm okay and what I have is sufficient. And I also, if I'm remembering in your book, I think you also say, you can do all those spreadsheets, which we did. We went, found a great guy. We're very happy with all that, you know, so, and he, he has retired. That was a couple of years ago, but um, in your book, I'm pretty sure you say, and that's great, but there are still things that can happen. And you talk about people. There was one um, customer client of yours who took all their money out of a tax-free situation and put it into something thinking that would be more secure. I mean, you can do all those machinations and still things can happen. So all that external stuff is not necessarily safe as much as you think it is, but what's safe is developing it inside is what you're saying, I think. Thank Yes, absolutely. And, and you did bring up one of my my favorite words, which is sufficiency mm -hmm. and embodied sufficiency is really cultivating that timeless, boundless inner knowing of I am okay. And because you are okay. Mm -hmm. And, and when we do cultivate embodied sufficiency, our tendency to go to the future or the past fearing uh, you know, fearing our for ourselves, our safety, then um, and our connection, then that dissipates, and it's um, it's quite delicious. I think 
it's pretty rare. Would you say, wouldn't you say most of the world is still in that worried, fearful place about money? Or do you see things are changing? I I do see, um, I actually do see a lot of fear. Yeah. I, I, um, I believe that, you know, this isn't just about money. It's about obviously everything. I believe we've got a lot of disruption and a lot of fear going on in, in the world. And I believe that our capacity to learn to be in the unknown, to have fluidity, um, which comes from our, our ability to be, be centered and move from our body is um, going to be a superpower. It is a superpower. And so what happens with our money situation is an unknown, but we've had a uh, financial services has always tried to um, create uh I'm going to say just constructs of this is what's going to happen. If you do this, then this will happen. And it's because we think we have control over what we're doing. You know, we're saving, we're doing the quote unquote right thing. And um, it, that's just not true. Yeah, right. There's nothing outside of us, as you just said earlier, our bank statement, our you know, that is going to protect us from our human experience, which includes feeling scared, feeling all of the beautiful emotions that make our human experience that interesting, uh, the, the, you know, and, um, you know, the heroine's journey is very rich. Um, and, and as you know, goes everywhere in terms of experiencing lots of feelings and so and fear I it, fear is if you're in the unknown and in a new adventure fear is with you all the time and good things happen and bad things but it's we're there to learn right we're there to see the opportunity and the learning and maybe some calamity um but, but still, something you know that I mean fear is giving us information it's something that um if we want to befriend we you know fear takes us into really juicy territory it it um it is an aliveness mm -hmm. um we talk about on the journey we talk about fear big fears as being dragons on the path and i agree with you that what we do is learn to understand that to befriend our dragons what's the message for me what am i not getting and so often it's some old belief that you got as a child from your parents or people close around you like my dear mother saying money, money. doesn't grow <laughs> and i'm sure you run into that a lot that people come with that baggage of old things that they've taken on absolutely we we all have limiting beliefs we all have limiting beliefs about money and it's really important to discover those to really uncover them uh, 
but we don't stop there because just knowing a belief and a limiting belief uh, and even cognitively trying to shift it isn't going to do much. We're going to understand it and that's going to be wonderful, but that's really the portal to begin to practice and, and notice where do we feel when we, when that belief comes up, when we're actually in an activated state where that belief is, we bring our attention into our body and we notice where we, the tension is, where the sensations are. Typically fear is in our belly. Uh, we can feel it in our hands, sometimes in our, um, in our neck, you know, but then, um, and fear can also join hands with anger or sadness. Mm -hmm. And so we might experience some sadness in our chest and our eyes. Uh, anger typically is in our back, um, our neck, our jaws. But the cool part is, is that this is the area of discovery. We're exploring, each of us get to explore what's true for us. Um, by giving our attention to our body. And it's a, it can seem a little strange. It can seem scary, um, but we go gently. We, we honor with respect and care uh, the wisdom that is coming up and, and receive it with openness and generosity and compassion not forcing. Yeah. So Gail, if, if just to take you maybe the next step, so let's just say I'm thinking about taking out a loan and I'm terrified. How am I going to pay this back? Should I do it? Should I not do it? And I, I have read your book. And so I know that this is, and I'm feeling it in my belly, this real fear about what's going to happen if I make this big decision. And so once you recognize, okay, I feel it. This is what Gail was talking about. My fear is in my belly. So what do you do? How do you work with it? Yeah, thank you. So, well, let's play. I mean, if that, so I would invite you to put your hands on your belly and really lower your gaze or shut your eyes and and just bring gentle breath down to your belly. Not trying to fix anything, not trying to change anything, but just really noticing and paying attention to those sensations that, um, and, um, you know, sometimes it's swirling, sometimes it's warm, you know, sometimes it feels a, a type of pressure but really just acknowledging that I feel scared. Do you do any writing about it? Do you? I, I, yes, lots of writing. There's many, many kinds of practices and it really depends on what calls you, calls the individual. Like I personally do a lot of writing. I, um, and I, I do a lot of breath work. Um, I love to moving when we move our body, something, something happens, something shifts. It's really, um, in fact, I, I'll, you know, if I get stuck, I'll change my posture because, because then 
we're using our whole brain. And so there's many, many practices to support really attending to the the fear, the sensations, the emotions that are coming through, create more space. Yeah. So there's so much in your book and we're not going to be able to talk about all of it. And I just want to say that what Gail does is she she leads us through and she actually has diagrams of the brain and the different parts of the brain, the triune brain and, you know, what each part does and then um, the belly and maybe most importantly, the heart. There's a whole um, part of the heart. She also has those parts talking and what they would say, which is, I found so very interesting. And then there's a section on archetypes and archetypes that live within us. So, um, which live in our collective unconscious, if you know, follow the work of Jung, um, that these have been with us. And there are three in particular that um, the academic, the philanthropist, and the capitalist. I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about what's going on with these archetypes. Well, these archetypes are doing their job. You know, they, and um, we can say they, they each have a, uh, a positive side, something that that is really, really important, but too much of it um, gets us out of balance and, and takes us into a little bit of disruption. So um, the academic is, you know, lives, is our brain are, are the seat of knowledge. And it's important to have knowledge and, and be informed about our money and finances. But if we are operating simply from facts and figures, which is typically where we do operate, we uh, then are void of the generosity of our heart, the philanthropist, and we're void of our unique genius and passion, uh, creativity that we are here to express in the world and which is found in the capitalist. Right, right. So, so that, and, and then, so I kind of told you a little bit about the philanthropist. She's, she, I, I'd make it a she, um, it can be a he, they, uh, operate with, um, openness and generosity spreading love and, and connection. Uh, but too much of that in respect to money means that we're giving it all away, that we forget to our agency and to um, and to receive. Right. Yeah. That's, a, that, that's an area that is so interesting for, for many people. Um, Primarily, women. Women are the um, typically are the uh, act as the you know the way of the philanthropist, and uh, we do get the message that it's better to give than receive. And mm -hmm. so, our problem in that area is opening to receive. Oh. And and I have found that learning to receive is one of um, the most crucial lessons for, for all of us. Mm -hmm. That's so 
I'm knowing, looking at my clock, that I need to bring this to a close. And it's um, it's a struggle because there's so much in your wonderful book, Gail, that is so needed and so helpful. And all of us, me included, who have thought that money was in the realm of the brain, right? And if if I was an English major, I wasn't going to be good with my money. There's so much more. I have a great intuition, which your book is about trust that and listen to that and nurture that. So um, there's so much here. And I agree with you that um, particularly women have a hard time receiving and that that is, that is so important to how we go about our heroine's journey instead of just giving ourselves away and not doing the self-care that we need. So, uh, so with that said, here are women listening to you in this podcast and men, heroes as well, possibly. What do you want to make sure that they hear? If there's only one thing they could take away from this with all that we've talked about, Besides, hey, you should really get Gail's book. I'll say that. That's one thing you should take away. And I'll give you information about that in the notes. But what do you want to make sure they take away that you have said today? Mm. That everything you need is is truly inside of you. And, you know, you are so smart you're so intelligent and money money wants to work with you so you're be on your own money heroine journey and and let's bring in the archetype of the capitalist that is the place where you find your agency your power your strength your creativity to be able to embody uh, your own true knowing there um and you you've got it you you truly have it and i um i can't i can't wait to when more of us are embodying that uh innate intelligence and and our, our own unique genius yeah what a hopeful affirming positive message that we need to hear and it is so and that from a financial expert who who's worked what 30 something years with clients and finance and who really knows money so what a great thing to end with Gail I thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today mm, it was uh, my pleasure totally and thank you so much for inviting me really lovely to be here with you of course okay everyone thank you for listening I hope you will listen to my next podcast, which will be coming out in a couple of weeks. I continue to meet, as you can see, these great real life heroines who are making such a difference in the world, as is Gail. So um, thank you and blessings on your journey. You've been listening to the podcast for real life heroines with Susanna Liller. Thank you for joining us. 
If you would like to connect with Susanna outside of the show, please do. You can email Susanna at SusannaLillard.com and visit the website at SusannaLillard.com. Let's get social. Instagram at Susanna Liller, Facebook, Susanna Liller, author, speaker, and coach. Don't forget to subscribe to the show for easy access to our next episode. And a like and review would be very helpful. Until next time, remember to follow your inner guidance to grow and evolve.